You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. And welcome to another edition of the Domecast, our weekly look back and ahead on all things in North Carolina government and politics. I'm Andy Curlis with the News and Observer. We thank you for listening. We have a great show ahead. We will hear from a guest, our first guest on the Domecast, none other than Governor Pat McCrory. We, of course, will have our headliners of the week, uh, regular panelists from the News and Observer and the Insider, a busy week in state government and politics. There was a movement on a redistricting bill at the end of the week. We had protest petitions and, of course, a continuing resolution that extended state spending into the middle of August. And it is on that topic, the state budget, the biggest topic, that we wanted to catch up with Governor McCrory and talk about a a range of issues that all fall under the budget umbrella. And we reached him by phone at the end of the week, and we started off by uh, asking him about the process. Governor, uh, welcome to the Domecast. We're glad to have you, and of course we know our listeners are glad to hear from you uh, direct directly. We talk a lot about the budget, and we hear a lot about the House and the Senate, but of course you're uh, actively involved on that, and I wonder... Uh, as we have had a continuing resolution this week, uh, what is it now that you're doing to shape the budget and to really ensure that, that you're able to get all that you want out of the budget? Well, the first thing we're doing uh, is clearly communicating with uh, legislative leaders about where exactly we have issues with the budget and where we have uh, prominent compliments regarding the budget. I'm having weekly meetings with uh, both the Speaker and the President, and my budget director and cabinet meetings are, uh, cabinet members are uh, meeting with uh, legislators throughout the week uh, in, in their particular areas of expertise. And then, of course, every Tuesday I meet with my cabinet meeting where we discuss where we have uh, areas of progress, areas of disagreement, and areas of uh, standstill. So uh, it's ongoing communications. In addition to that, I think part of my job as governor is to communicate with the public outside of the Beltline on where we have agreements and disagreements and where we need clarity. And, of course, uh, this past week you weighed in with a, a letter uh, to, to all of the lawmakers. Uh, at times uh, pointed, really, I don't know what the word is, uh, are you exasperated? Are you impatient? Uh, basically, you would like them to hurry up and get some things done. Well, I think the point of my letter, first of all, is to make sure all members of the uh, uh, House of Representatives and the North Carolina State Senate know exactly where I stand, and they can hear it directly from the letter that I wrote. So they don't hear it through a muffled source of either the media or their immediate leadership. So I think it's very important for me we have several means of direct communications with all representatives throughout the state. So that was the major purpose of the letter. I am impatient because we have constituents and uh, stakeholders who are impatient. Uh, we're not the only game in town when it comes to doing the, the budget. There are other cities and towns and counties 
that are waiting for us to complete the budget because there is a cause and effect impact on what the state budget is on uh, local governments. In addition, we have many businesses that are reading in the newspaper certain tax proposals and spending proposals that could have a direct positive or negative impact on their business plans for next year. So we've got to remind ourselves, and I have to remind the legislature in the vacuum of the belt line that they're not the only play in town, that there are other people whose decisions are impacted by the decisions of uh, the elected representatives in our state capitol. And uh, that was one of several reasons why I wrote that letter. And yes, I am impatient. Um, this is supposed to be a part-time legislature, and we're now in the sixth month, I believe, of this uh, legislative session. And as of last week, when they communicated to me, the leadership, that the earliest they'd get out was September and they'd maybe hold on until October, I felt that I needed to give my feedback very strongly with that. It's not only acceptable with me as governor, because we've got to run the government, too, and our my operations are dependent upon the budget being complete. But these other stakeholders are also waiting on action, not inaction, in uh, the state legislature. Yeah, and you mentioned the tax uh, proposals. Your letter very strongly uh, said, you know, now is not the time uh, to make uh, major changes. Do you think that pretty much puts an end to... Uh, the whole tax uh, uh, change discussion, or is that going to be something we have to watch here uh, going forward? I think you're going to have to watch it because there's disagreement. Uh, uh, Tom Phillips, Bill Berger, and I, and legislative leaders got to lock ourselves in a room and, and uh, came up with a compromise on tax reform, and I thought it was a good compromise. I didn't get everything I wanted. They didn't get everything they wanted. And that the ink is barely dried on that tax reform, and I think we need to give that a chance to work and also see where the potential flaws and strengths of that tax reform are. If we every year to change our tax system in North Carolina, we think we bring about uh, incontinuity and, uh, in, and uh, confusion to people who um, are trying to budget for the future. And I think it's very important we have some continuity after doing fairly major uh, tax reform. I do think we've learned some where we need to make some minor revisions uh, regarding the old tax bill. For example, medical deduction uh, write-offs. I'd like to add that back. Um, and maybe a few small ones. Uh, of course, historical tax districts, which should have never been put in. But for major tax reform of... Um, of increasing taxes on services and on trading and on advertisement and uh, other major, major changes, uh, I, I think we ought to hold off and, and, and do some measurement uh, for a year or two on how this is working. Is that something that you would have your veto stamp ready for? Is it that important? If I thought it was too radical of change, I would definitely consider a veto, as I would uh, several other items. Yeah. Now, uh, politics obviously are at play here. Uh, you're getting ready to run a, a re-election, uh, and the dynamic of the budget, of course, is uh, a big part of something that you'll have to run on. Uh, and do lawmakers uh, appreciate that, you know, from a political standpoint, that, that you're going to be running in a statewide race and that this this is a budget that, that you're going to have to uh, defend on the campaign trail? Well, my major concern is not the campaign trail. My major concern is I'm not a governor. The chief executive, but part of my major responsibilities is chief operations officer. 
I got to run government. I got to make sure that we have a, a, a balance sheet on both sides of the ledger of both spending and money coming in. And second, I've got to make sure we can provide the services necessary to the people of North Carolina in, in each of my uh, major responsibilities as governor. So that's that's where my focus is on, and it's frankly not on the election as I discuss these issues, regardless of the impression it may be. It, it's it's my my job is governing, and uh, and often uh, from both the media and the legislature, frankly, forget that my major job is operations. And there's very little focus in either legislature or in the media on the operation. Maybe too boring for y'all and others, but uh, most of the sections in Raleigh are talking about power politics and, uh, and policy. And my job is a lot of operations. How to pave the roads, how to build new roads, how to get mental health services after the people, how to uh, get nurses and I mean, the list goes on and on. I had to run the prisons. So this is where my focus is, is providing the basic services necessary to run an efficient and effective government and also ensuring that it's affordable. And let's take a break on the Domecast. Uh, we've been listening to an interview recorded with Governor Pat McCrory. And we'll take a break and be right back. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much. For, for taking, taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot. For leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom. For taking you to your therapies. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. That's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And welcome back to the Domecast. I'm Andy Curlis with the News and Observer. We're in the midst of an interview that we recorded with Governor Pat McCrory. And let's uh, return to that interview, which focused on state budget matters. And, of course, you were in Raleigh uh, this week with a a large crowd uh, behind you talking about your bond. Uh, proposals, a uh, total of you know, roughly $3 billion, half for transportation, half for infrastructure, you know, buildings, parks, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and as you stood there, you know, we heard you talking about the longer uh, the delay, the more expensive it gets. Actually, let's listen uh, to you earlier this week in Raleigh. The people behind me who are visiting Raleigh today get it. They get that we have to invest in the future now. And the longer we delay, the more expensive it's going to get for the taxpayers of North Carolina. And the longer we delay, the less competitive their cities and towns are going to be when we compete with other states, including our neighboring states in South Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. And, Governor, so there you were talking about how you have to compete with other states, and of course the Senate especially has a different idea about the bond plan. How, how do you see that going forward, particularly on the transportation side? How is this going to end up? Well, first of all, if I knew that, I would be a very wealthy man on many issues. If that, I knew how things were going to end up. But, uh, but for the first time in 15 years, we've got a governor and an administration that's talking about investing in future roads universities, community colleges, our park system, our ports, 
or military in a rail. Uh, that discussion wasn't even on the radar screen within the legislature just a short four months ago or five months ago when I gave my State of the State speech. So, you know, initially I think they were surprised to hear this major emphasis on the need for infrastructure and uh, preparing our state for the next generation and preparing for future growth. So just to get that dialogue going is a major success. Uh, the dilemma is they waited four months before they did it, partly to defend them. They had a lot of other work, but they also wasted their time on, I think, less important items as this. But now, for the first time in the last two or three weeks, due to the good work of my team, um, we're starting to make some progress. I think there's starting to be a firm consensus on infrastructure, and now there's even movement in the House on transportation with major legislative leaders. And, and, and the defense of the Senate, they're even discussing changing the formula, or not the formula, but changing the, uh, the transfer and putting part of that money into new roads. My issue is I don't think that's enough money for the new roads that we need throughout the state. But we're making progress. And uh, part of the progress, I think, is that I'm taking the argument outside the belt lines of the people of North Carolina, and we're getting very, very positive feedback. And I think in the last two weeks, the legislators are starting to hear from the constituents. But we still have a long way to go, and uh, I, I, uh, I, I'm trying to spur them to act with a sense of urgency because the longer we wait, the more expensive it's going to be for the taxpayers in North Carolina. You mentioned the highway trust fund, so that's something you support would be to try to end. Yeah, I have no problem with that whatsoever. In fact, I support it, although it's really a bookkeeping situation. Just because you transfer something... You still have to fill up the other bucket because that transfer, other things were being paid for, like the Highway Patrol, which is about $230 million. So you can't just drop the Highway Patrol. So one thing I think both the media and the legislatures all go, yeah, they're for the transfer. Well, that doesn't mean anything unless you can fill up the buckets with the necessary dollars on the backside to uh, make that transfer happen. And there's no magic in that, a transfer happening, a new money appearing. There is no new money that will appear because of a transfer. Uh, the new money is appearing because we have a surplus, not and, because we've done a transfer. And, of course, uh, the Senate is more a pay-as-you-go uh, proposal on the transportation side, right? Just pay, you know. Well, well it's not only pay-as-you-go, which I don't mind some of that, but a lot of that money goes into maintenance, which we need. And it really doesn't build much new lane capacity, which we need also. This is where I strongly disagree with not only the Senate, but uh, also even uh, the current leadership of the North Carolina Chamber, which seems to be more interested in paving, uh, filling up potholes and building new roads. And I think we need to do both. And, and I wonder uh, another big difference would be on raises, uh, pay raises for state employees, a big difference there, the House across the board. Uh, the Senate more targeted. Where do you fall on that? I'm more of a market-based pay raise. I'd like to give people the flexibility. I'd like to give my my secretaries, and I'd like to give school superintendents, and I'd like to give uh, the council state, other members of the council state, the flexibility to use the money as they wish. If they want to give a larger pay raise to a higher performing group or based upon the market value of certain skills, then I want to give uh, that flexibility. And I think that's the way government needs to go as opposed to just across the board. But the good news is we're talking about pay raises for the first time in a long time, at least sufficient pay raises, hopefully. And I wonder, Governor, 
Do you have any prediction on when this is all going to be resolved? I, I cannot predict that. I just uh, all I can do is uh, uh, put my two cents in worth and 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 urge them to move. And I continue to do that. And I think we're seeing some movement in the last week. But uh, I think we need to have a sense of urgency. I think the area where I'm most impatient is we've been waiting six to seven months uh, since the last legislative session for a clear economic development plan on job development investment grants. And it's no movement. They're putting that into the budget, and I think that's very improper. And I think we're putting some things in the budget, uh, too much policy in the budget, and not separating that from the budget. Those are the things uh, a lot of legislators and myself said that we wouldn't do when we, uh, uh, because we criticized the Democrats for doing that for the last 25 years. And I was very critical of the Democrats for doing that. And I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't criticize my fellow Republicans for repeating that same mistake, and that is putting too much policy into the budget and using that policy as a negotiating tool. Um, that's not the way to to run efficient, effective, and transparent government. So I'm bipartisan in my criticism of that type of uh, um, activity. And you mentioned your jobs plan. You've asked for it to be pulled out of the budget. Do you think that gives it a better chance of you know, uh, being adopted in the form you want if it's outside of the budget? Well, it means I don't think the, I don't think the economic development plan should be used as a negotiating tool in the budget. I think that's that may be the attempt at this point in time. And, and to me, it really doesn't impact the budget because it's all new net revenue with job investment grants, and it's, it's really a very side item of the budget. It's a policy item more than a budget item, and I think that's true with several of the other areas that are being held over into the budget that uh, um, is being possibly used as negotiation to um, help with other items of support or defeating. Uh, the only other big item on my plate in the letter that I stated is the uh, tax reimbursement proposal, which I think is the most unconservative thing I've seen presented in the legislature in the last decade. It's a redistribution of wealth, and uh, it's a tax increase on literally millions of uh, citizens in North Carolina. It's and just because the state won't give that tax increase, we would be causing the legislature would be causing that, that tax increase at the local level. And uh, I'm going to be very vocal about that. I think that would be a, a, a mistake, especially uh, directed toward the travel and tourism areas, the mountain areas the coastal areas and the uh, economic centers of our state. We've got to keep them healthy because they're the areas right now that are helping in this uh, incredible job employment and uh, economic rebound, which helps the entire state. And, of course, you wrote to lawmakers on that point saying emphatically, let me be clear, I will not support any effort to redistribute the sales tax dollars. And I don't think there's a compromise there. You either open it up or you don't. And if we open it up, it's setting a terrible precedent. That is not our tax. That is not the state tax. That is a local tax, not the state tax. Just because the state has the chance to set formulas for the local level doesn't mean they should uh, and, and pretend it's our money. That is not our money. If they want to transfer money 
from one area to the state to another, do it within the state budget. Don't do it within the local and city budgets. I think it's, uh, again, it's, you know, I believe, I, I'm a conservative who believes in government closest to the people and not, I don't want Washington telling Bali how to do their work and Bali shouldn't be telling local government how to do their work on these specific items that, uh, uh, I think are best reserved for mayors and city councils. And of course, you spoke a lot about that when you were uh, mayor of Charlotte. Uh, you you I've dealt with this in that role. I've been, I've been consistent in a bipartisan effort. If I see Democrats do it, I'll call them out. And if I see Republicans, I'll call them out with all due respect. Governor, we're heading into the 4th of July. Uh, I wonder, will you be keeping the sharks away, uh, uh, grilling out? What, how does a governor spend uh, spend the 4th of July? Well, I hope to be spending a little bit of time with my wife and my, my dog. <laughs> I haven't got to see them a lot lately. In fact, I'm heading home right now, but I'm also going to be spending 4th of July with the people of North Carolina. I think I'm going to be going down to Southport, enjoy a wonderful tradition there in downtown Southport of a parade and other activity which they've invited me to. And then I think I'm going to uh, Blowing Rock for a uh, uh, 4th of July celebration in Blowing Rock. So I'm getting to see the best of North Carolina all in one day, and then I'm going to spend some time with my family. And But in the meantime, we're going to be running government. I've got um, some major economic development meetings even during this vacation period for the legislature. My team is still working. Uh, we're not taking a vacation break. We're working. And uh, I'm going to do just that. Do you think the the legislature should have stayed in uh, next week and continued to work? Well, let me put it this way. I, I'm pleased at least they put a CR that doesn't go through September and October. So, uh, there's nothing wrong with a few days taking a breather and spending time with your family. But, frankly, I think we could have got most of this work done in the, in the last five months. And if we would have focused on the major issues that are important to the hardworking people of North Carolina. Governor, before we let you go, uh, I'm sure that you're a regular listener of the Domecast, and so you know that we do a segment uh, that we call Headliners of the Week, and I wanted to invite you. I don't know if you have anybody in mind, but uh, we, we ask the folks who are on the show to uh, nominate someone who they think is a headliner of the week and tell us why that is, and then we sort of have some fun and, and pick a headliner of the week. So uh, as, as we... Uh, uh, thank you for being on the show. I'll ask you, uh, do you have a headliner of the week? There are a lot of headliners in the private sector and public safety personnel, but inside the Beltline headliner, I'd probably go with uh, someone I just got off the phone with uh, working on the budget, and that's Lee Roberts, my budget director, who was, uh, I think, doing an outstanding job after only uh, seven or eight months on the job. He is, uh, I think he's becoming a very influential leader in the state, and I'm lucky to have him on our team, and he's got the respect of not only this governor, but I think he's gained the respect of legislative leaders and uh, the private sector and his ability to uh, listen and learn and, and also find solutions to very complex problems, especially where there's division. So I'm, I'm very proud of Lee joining our team, and I'm very proud of my team on my administration. I think i got the best cabinet in the United States of America there. Again, um, most of them are t taking no time off and, and just working, um, and it's for this, for making this a better state. And I, I'm very, very proud of my team, and, and including Lee, who's one of our newest members. He's, he jumped into a fire pit, took the place of uh, Art Pope, who I didn't think could be replaced, but Lee has done an outstanding job and has brought a new uh, 
new outside perspective of uh, making recommendations and improving uh, state government and in North Carolina as a whole. Well, very good. So we will take that under advisement and let you know how it turns out as we sort out our uh, headliners of the week. And we will. Oh, take... I didn't know this was a contest. Oh well, you know, we let, <laughs> we let everybody uh, nominate someone, and so we'll get back to you all. Well, that's my inside the belt line uh, pick. However, Lee, uh, like the rest of my team, we're taking a point to get outside the belt line at least two days a week. Uh, we're trying to get out so we can hear the people of North Carolina and not just um, talk to the same 100 people inside the belt line that you tend to uh, see and think that represents uh, the entire state. So I'm very proud of my team getting out and hearing suggestions that, uh, especially uh, solutions to many of the complex issues that we're dealing with in North Carolina. Very good, Governor. We thank you for being on the show, and we will, of course, be following all of this in the uh, coming weeks, hopefully not months, and uh, we, we will check back in, of course, as needed. Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much. Take care now. And you've been listening to an interview, and, of course, Governor McCrory there uh, nominating his budget director, Lee Roberts, as headliner of the week. And now we'll turn it over to our regular panelists. We have a full cast uh, today. You know the drill. It's uh, 45 seconds to nominate a headliner, uh, uh, argue for that person, and uh, hopefully beat the bell, and then we'll sort it out at the end. Let's start with uh, Ben Brown, Ben Brown of The Insider. Who is your headliner of the week? I'm going to say Nelson Dollar and Harry Brown jointly. Uh, one in the House, one in the Senate. They both serve the purpose of pushing the uh, continuing resolution that allows the state government to, to remain funded in the absence of a budget and set up another big thing the House and Senate did this week, which was pass an adjournment resolution that puts them on summer break, essentially, until uh, July 13th. So I'm going to say the point people in the House and Senate, uh, Nelson Dollar, Harry Brown. And, of course, they did go on vacation. There was some debate about that uh, here at the end of the week. Mm -hmm. Some uh, Democrats wanted to get it done, get a get a budget uh, to McCrory, but uh, the prevailing argument was that they needed a break. Okay, so the leading uh, budget lawmakers. Let's go now to uh, Pat Gannon, Pat Gannon of The Insider. Welcome to the program. Good to be here. And so, Pat Gannon, tell us who is your headliner of the week. Uh, speaking of vacations, I'm going to go with uh, Sharks and Red Wolves, um, both of which made lots of news this week. Sharks in that the seventh shark attack off North Carolina's coast has recently happened just ahead of the 4th of July holiday, and that caused uh, the governor to weigh in. He says he's going to talk to his public safety director to see if they can try to figure out what's going on. I give them good luck on that one. And uh, Red Wolves, as the uh, uh, federal officials decided – um, not to continue their program of reintroducing captive bred red wolves into the wild to try to stave off uh, extinction, extinction of that species. Um, so that's a story that's going to develop over some time. Very good. So uh, carnivores. Yes. Carnivores, headliners of the week, <laughs> sharks and red wolves. Uh, very good. So let's go now to Colin Campbell. Colin Campbell of the News and Observer. Tell us, who is your headliner of the week? 
Well, I've got an obscure pick this week. I'm going with David Cox, who has been uh, lobbying hard against the bill to eliminate protest petitions, which is the uh, zoning mechanism when property nearby you is being rezoned. If you're a neighbor, you can uh, put in a petition that forces a supermajority of the uh, city council to approve a, a new development. He was uh, trying to keep that position in the law, uh, did not succeed. The uh, bill passed the Senate this week and is uh, on its way back to the House for concurrence. Uh, but he did manage to get a number of uh, Democrats to in the Senate to vote against it. He also got his own senator, Republican Senator John Alexander, to vote no, uh, the only Republican senator to buck the party on that one. So uh, for those successes, we're going to give this one to David Cox. David Cox, a Raleigh activist. Yeah, and best yeah. known for uh, mobilizing a neighborhood in North Raleigh against a Publix grocery store, uh, successfully defeating that a few months back, and now he's moved on to protest petitions. Uh, protest petitions. That was a big story, uh, of course, this week. So, David Cox in the mix now as a headliner of the week. And let's go now to Lynn Bonner. Lynn Bonner of the News and Observer. Who is your headliner of the week? I'm going to pick Governor Pat McCrory for his letter to legislators. This week we asked diplomatically what we're all thinking, which is, why is this taking so long? Um, he noted that 40 states have budgets. We don't have one yet. Um, there was at the time some talk that the uh, intermediate budget might be might extend three months. It's only six weeks um, by comparison, but still uh, giving themselves a deadline well into the summer. So I'll pick uh, Pat McCrory for um, his diplomatic um, interjection into the budget process, which is uh, should this last this long. Oh, right on the bell. I had my hand on the bell. Very I good. I beat you this time. So Governor Pat McCrory, who, of course, we heard from uh, earlier in the program, uh, saying uh, that he is impatient with the process. Pat McCrory as a possible headliner. Let's go now to Craig Jarvis. Craig Jarvis of the News and Observer. Tell us who is your headliner of the week. Well, it would be hard to ignore Senator Trudy Wade's role in the news this week. She managed to upset both uh, Democrats in Greensboro and environmentalists all over the state. Uh, there was a bill that she was backing that would uh, take uh, re redraw districts of city council of the city council there, and it's a very bitterly fought uh, uh, issue. And then uh, she's also spearheaded this regulatory reform bill, which. Um, is upset uh, a lot of environmentalists. She's kind of become the point person on environmental issues. And this particular bill, I think, came from the very top of the Senate leadership. Uh, so it wasn't entirely her doing, but she was the one out front explaining it all. And she has been kind of vilified for that. I didn't get to hit the bell, but Trudy Wade, a headliner of the week. So this is the moment where we have to decide who it is. This is a tough one, you guys. Um I think the letter from McCrory was probably the most significant uh, piece of news of the week. I'll go with uh, uh, Ben Brown. Ben Brown's nominees, uh, Nelson Dollar and Harry Brown, uh, producing a clean, uh, quote-unquote, CR and uh, extending the budget debate, prompting the letter from Pat McCrory and uh, that whole process there. And so um, it's a dual. Our first dual headliners of the week are Nelson Dollar and Harry Brown. And we'll try to grab some audio 
as we head out, we thank you for listening, and we will see you soon. We believe this is a, a clean, um, continuing resolution uh, that neither advantages nor disadvantages either chamber in their various positions and, of course, keeps our government running and moving forward. It is at 100%. I mentioned this in the Appropriations Committee. Most of you over the last several years that have seen continuing resolutions will note that they were funded at the 95% level. This is funded at 100% level. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the daily print edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.